to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Gibbed. Um, you probably know Gibbs' work, even if you don't know him. Um, he's kind of a technical guy that likes to explore a bunch of out-of-bounds and crazy, unused stuff in Dark Souls. Um, he was one of the guys that pulled all kinds of information and models and uh, things out of the fifth archstone in Demon Souls. It's a really good conversation. We talk about the games in general and talk about him building his own Demon Souls server and all kinds of stuff. So it's a fun one. As always, if you want to be a guest on the show, just send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the episode. This was years ago, and I don't even remember what it was about. I was hanging out in the From Goons IRC room, mm-hmm. and uh, something Dark Souls related had come out, and I copied it from the IRC and posted it in the Something Awful thread, and was like, and I think I even said, like, some dude named Rick on the IRC was told, said this and this and this and this, and you came along in the thread and were like, yeah, that was me, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know those were the same person. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> Anyway, um, so can you tell me about, like, the first time you played a Souls game? Uh, I actually, so I actually saw uh, Demon Souls, like, uh, there was a post on something awful about it, and I actually mm-hmm. saw it, like, early on before uh, the Western release. So there was, uh, I remember there being just of it in the thread, and it was, like, that's awesome, and I got to import that, and I imported it, and things on went on from there. Nice. Yep. Were you, had, what were you kind of? What kind of video games were you playing back then? Uh, well, I've always been very much into uh, action and uh, RPG style games, and uh, it seemed to you know resonate with me from uh, what I saw, and uh, that's what got me interested. Was it like hard? Like the, the games have now I got this huge reputation uh, for being when super I first started playing. Yeah, it was probably one of the most difficult games I'd played in a long time, and uh, it was very refreshing. I know a lot of people say that as well. What did like? What do you think? Because I when I first started playing Demon Souls, like I played it for forty five minutes and then just turned it off. <laughs> like I got so <laughs> frustrated with it, I quit. Did you did you have a stopping point, or was it like were you just like so taken with it that you it, just kept going? It was definitely one of those things where it it took a while to get you know get into it. Uh, I did keep mm-hmm. at it for the longest time. I remember getting it. It took like maybe a month to uh, get to me after I you know imported it. So I was very excited to play, and I, I didn't want to get give up on it. Nice. So you went in full steam ahead. That's what I'm hearing. Yep. Do you remember what kind of like build that you went for, or not, not, or ended up with? Rather, you probably weren't going for anything specific. Well, this was before any like information or anything. I just went into it blind. Uh, I'm pretty sure I started with the uh, the night class, and that was mm-hmm. before I knew that the class didn't really matter, just the initial stats and everything. So that's what I started with. I do know that it took me. Quite a while to uh, get through one one to up to the phalanx uh, and beat them because uh, phalanx actually destroyed me quite a while until I figured out the uh, whole uh, fire uh, buff mechanics and everything. Yeah, I would imagine with no previous experience and like not having, especially because the if I remember correctly, the the import copy had an English sound not soundtrack, but had an English dub, but it was it was kind of poorly translated. Yeah, it was. Right? Yeah, there were a lot of uh, poorly translated things for that. Uh, I actually contributed to the wiki for that when uh, Western release came out for that. Oh, really? Compare the differences and stuff. Yeah. No, so it was really. So you've always been part of how the... much how improved the translation was when the western release came out so even from the beginning you've, you've been kind of part of the dark souls community and discovering things and documenting them for the rest of the community uh i, I want to say that was mostly demon souls for souls i mm-hmm. didn't really get into that sort of thing until i started with the pc version you know like getting okay. into it because I know, um, but most people probably know you from like the the kind of technical stuff that you've done, like the exploring the uh, fifth archstone creatures yeah. and on your on your yeah. Twitch streams and things like that. So um, when you played, obviously when you were playing Demon Souls for the first time, none of that stuff was 
you weren't doing any of that stuff back then. Oh, no, no, no. It, well, I mean, Demon Souls came out long before uh, the PS3 had been uh, broken open for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was, I want to say it was after Dark Souls PC released that I started digging into Demon Souls. Because that's, oh, really? That's okay, I didn't realize it had been that long. Possible, yeah. And a lot of the knowledge that uh, I gained from PC version of Dark Souls is what helped me get into the Demon Souls stuff. Yeah, I was watching a Losery Wall stream, a bit of the uh, dev menu, and or the dev version, I guess. Yeah. Or the, mm-hmm. I guess that's what you would call it. If the PC version that, I guess, the developers used for Dark Souls 1 that leaked for a while back. Um, mm-hmm. And it reminded me quite a bit about the same like interface that I remember seeing on your stream, with like just going through things and changing values and different stuff appearing on the screen. That was yeah, kind of interesting uh, to me. That menu exists in uh, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and then there's a newer version of it in Dark Souls 2. I haven't looked at Dark Souls 3 yet. But that you know that's on my list of uh, things to do, and then for Dark Souls, uh, parts of it was left in like the initial version they released for PC, but it wasn't mm-hmm. quite there. You had to do things to get it working. The same thing applied to Demon Souls as well, uh, only more so. I ended up re-implementing a lot of it to get it functional. Really. Do you have a, if you don't mind me asking, like, do you have a background in all that stuff? Like a software development or like low level hard hardware programming or like where does, where does this uh, knowledge come from? Yeah, I've been uh, programming for quite a while, maybe closer to 18 to 19 years so far. I, okay. I've been Very modding cool. games and getting into that sort of thing for as long as I can remember. That's probably what brought me into programming in the first place. I, I started digging into Dark Souls uh, after the PC version released pretty much instantly, because that's kind of my thing. I dig into any game that I'm uh, really interested in. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just in general, you know, i got to tinker with things. So. And then from there, uh, I learned a lot about how the Souls engine works. And uh, from that, even Souls, once, I, once the PS3 had been opened up, so to speak, and mm-hmm. That knowledge was very beneficial for restoring the debug menu and learning about uh, the data that was still there. Yeah, that stuff boggles my mind, like seeing you bring all that stuff up and, and be able to do that. Like that's just, are you using like developer versions of firmware at that point or just did the, the custom firmware for the PS3s that was available at the time, like give you those options? Like it, I don't even, like I, I can't even conceive of how, yeah, it was the how custom that works. Okay, so it was all custom stuff. Were you yeah. writing your own firmware or just using the stuff that was out there? I, I was using the stuff out there. Uh, as far as like what I did, um, my main stuff was modifying the game code to make the changes necessary. Mm-hmm. And that that's basically the gist of it. Uh, a lot of the changes that I had to make were to enable the game to actually be able to load those areas because by default uh, it requires a lot more memory than what the game is given by default. Okay. That makes sense. Because none of that stuff has been optimized, obviously, since they didn't, it wasn't in the finished game. Exactly. So it would require yeah. a lot more memory. Yeah. Okay. That makes good sense. Man, but the stuff that you, you pulled out of there was so interesting and some of it like was genuinely hilarious. Do, do, you, um, do you still have that archived anywhere? Like the Twitch stream? Yeah, or it's, just my, the, the... it's all archived on my Twitch channel. Okay, cool. Yeah, that stuff, if anybody who's listening hasn't seen that stuff, like, definitely go and, and take a look at that video, and I'll make sure I include it in the show notes, that, uh, because there's some, like, there's, like, some proto-lizard men from Sense Fortress that were in there, there was some, like, crazy beast creatures, and, like, some weird bear-looking dudes, like, it's, it's pretty interesting, the stuff you pulled out of there. Yeah, there was, uh, beside the, uh, monsters, and all the creatures, I should say, because there are NPCs, too. Uh, enemy, you know, ones or ones from previous games that they were probably testing with, rather than uh, including its actual content. Do you like? Are you the kind of guy that looks at that stuff and then tries to extrapolate any kind of lore significance from that, or are you straight looking at this from a technical perspective? It, it's kind of hard to do the whole lore uh, analysis sort of thing because. There isn't really much there as far as like uh, uh, like textual information. It's all you know, just characters and uh, models and things like that without any context. So, 
Yeah, I guess there wouldn't be any like item descriptions or anything that you could read out of that. Huh? It's, it's just strictly character models and things. Pretty much, yeah. Is this also how you get stuff like I've seen, like those, all of the deleted and cut content in Dark Souls One with like the, the quest line with um, the Eastern Knight whose name I can't remember for the life of me right now. Where he, you could invade him using a. It was kind of like that revenge thing like you do with. Uh, I can't remember anything right now. Jeez. My mind is just fried to death. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, although I, I'm having uh, – I can't remember his name either, but I know exactly – oh, well, I think it was Shiva actually, right? Shiva. Shiva the East. Yeah. yeah so there was a yeah. Uh, there was a whole routine in the painted world where you could go invade him because yeah. he would have obtained the Chaos Sword or what have you. So the so they have like a uh, an event trigger system sort of deal uh, for their games and uh, – that was probably just left over and you know never uh enabled or not accessible due to the lack of the items and uh if you just happen to manage to get the item you know like adding it through some item item editor or something like that then it you can trigger it okay cuz yeah there's a there was i mean in dark souls one specifically like i know there's a bunch of stuff in demon souls but in and and dark there's you know all of those like you could have the four king sword and there was like the there were boss fights that were cut out that were you could still pull up and like there's all kinds of weird stuff you could pull out of there yeah uh for most of the items uh it was just the models that were left over in dark souls pretty much for the most part mm -hmm. for the items it you could swap out the item models just to see what they looked like okay so you could basically, at that point, you're just basically reskinning something so you could see what the original item model would look like, but it still had yeah. the original item's properties? Yeah, exactly. The item entries for the stuff that uh, removed content did not exist anymore, or, or at least most of them didn't. With each uh, game release, they've gotten a lot better at removing content that uh, is no longer used. So for Demon's Soul, uh, it was very bloated with things that shouldn't have been there. And then mm -hmm. with Dark Souls, they got a lot better. And then with Dark Souls 2, most of it was gone. <laughs> and like you said, you haven't looked at Dark Souls 3 yet. So we haven't no, seen not yet. Stuff. Yeah, it seems to me like there's a lot, there's always, a, like, like you're just saying, like there's a lot less of, uh, like we, we see less YouTube videos and write-ups about like cut content or deleted scenes or stuff like that. Like I know there's some, people have already seen some of the, like, um, there's a, is it Yorska's outfit? I think is in the is in there somewhere, but like with an item description and everything. But it can't; it's not actually you know obtainable in the game. So it's kind right. of interesting that they've gotten better about that. Like, do you think that that's their internal systems getting better, or just them being better programmers, or or what? I I would assume that's just their tools getting better, because with okay. each, you know with each engine revision, it's you know there are a lot of improvements and changes, and they don't want to spend a lot of uh, wasted resources on things that shouldn't be there. Yeah, and also, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not rebuilding these engines from scratch. It probably saves them quite a bit of time as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've, I've always been interested in the... Because a lot of people will, be, will say things, like, especially with Dark Souls 2, of like, oh, it was a totally different engine than, say, Bloodborne, or Bloodborne is a totally is based on the same engine as Demon Souls, but not Dark Souls. But to me, this is all, like, basically the same basic engine just with a totally modified version for each game, like a, like an optimized or specific version for that game. Is that, is that true or am I off the mark there? It's definitely true. Uh, with each revision of the engine, they've obviously replaced large parts of it or brought in new technology and things like that, especially for like something like Bloodborne. Uh, mm -hmm. From Demon's Souls to Dark Souls, not too much change aside from like, improvements to rendering tech and stuff like that especially since they were pretty close as far as what the their platforms were mm -hmm. i mean uh the only real differences from rendering from even soul to dark souls that they had to add support for the xbox 360 which is why you have the larger resolution for demon souls on ps3 oh really okay i didn't re i didn't realize that that's interesting I knew this was going to be an interesting conversation with you, but I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't quite know it was going to be this interesting. I'm into this. Um, it, outside of like models and stuff, you've also kind of tinkered with some of the networking through these games. Am I right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, as far as Demon's Souls go, when there were uh, 
when there were suspicions or, you know, outright panicking about the servers going down, I actually wrote a full server emulator for Demon Souls. And that's how a lot of the information that I have about the, that's where a lot of it started as far as like me digging into Demon Souls. I just, I can't imagine like were you like basically monitoring network requests from the game like on a like a low level layer and then just like trying to reverse engineer like responses to those requests and yeah like, that's, that's I, I, how, pretty much how it went because I actually started work on uh, the networking stuff part well the networking part of Demon Souls uh, before the PS3 was uh, opened up. Man, that just seems crazy to me. And so at that. What were you able to do with your um, kind of homemade Demon Souls server emulator? Like, what, what kind of things could you do? Uh, my favorite thing to do is set the uh, world tendency to whatever I want. Yeah, because if you if you can control your world tendency, you don't have to worry about like dying seventeen times to get to pure black or try to like kill a boss to be pure white, right? Like, you can just yeah, change that setting on your convenient. server. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the only thing i use it for nowadays because uh i mean obviously i'd probably put put it to a lot more use if the servers do actually go down but i don't Mm -hmm. see that happening anytime soon now could you actually like like if somebody if if people wanted to play demon souls and the servers were down and they were able to um like change their router settings to point you know whatever that domain name is to your own ip like would they actually be able to connect to each other and play like in multiplayer i would think so yeah Wow, that's a super cool. Is that still like? Do you still run that? Like, is that on a server somewhere, or do you just gotta turn it I, on I and off? Have, when you... I do have it up somewhere. Like I said, the only thing I really use it for now is uh, world tendency stuff. So. Have you kind of mined Demon Souls for all it's worth at this point? Like, are you kind of done with it? No, I do want to return to it because uh, the one thing I haven't managed to get working yet is the AI for the Northern Limits area, and I really mm-hmm. would like to get that working. But it, it's just something that hasn't happened yet from all of my experimentation on it. So when you, and I'm so fascinated about this stuff, Judge, because I'm, I know just enough about this stuff to get myself in trouble. <laughs> like I can, I can talk a good game, but I'll have like no actual idea how you're like, what the process of doing this stuff is. Like, how do you know that the AI is there to begin with, to be able to say that? Like, are you seeing those AI routines in a file somewhere or like, how does that, how does that work? Well, it, it's not that the AI is triggered, like, I guess, it's not like it's stored in the area files. It's more that they, uh, there are files for it. It's just that mm-hmm. I haven't figured out how to activate it in that area because it's not present in the area data to, you know, say this monster should do whatever. Gotcha. Okay. So you want to be able to activate the AI so you can actually see those monsters that shouldn't even yeah. be in the game, should, should never be loaded, like, actually go through their, like, attack animations and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the Northern Limits area does have actually have a lot of scripting behind it. Uh, most, most of it's, like, testing, but there is some interesting <laughs> stuff going on there that I haven't managed to activate yet. Interesting. What are you... Are you spending a lot of time in, in Dark Souls right now, or are you working on, like, other games and stuff? Uh, right now, well, for the most part, for the the past few years, I've been a lot, pretty much busy with non-game things, unfortunately. But I, I am poking at things over time. Okay. When you're like, say, when Dark Souls three came out earlier this year, and you're you're kind of playing through it for the first time, is your is your brain looking for um, like those kind of debug kind of weird things, or are you just like enjoying the game as it is, just as a as a normal gamer at that point? Not that you're not normal. I'm not trying to imply that, but just like, can you turn that programmer side of your brain off and just enjoy the game? Or are you constantly looking for like holds and things? Uh, for Dark Souls, oh, I'm sorry, not Dark Souls Four, Dark Souls Three. Uh, it's definitely true because the PS4 isn't like opened up at all, so there's mm-hmm. no way for me to do anything right now. Uh, but I haven't gotten into the, P, uh, the PC version at all yet. Oh, okay. So some of that stuff could be easy, easily accessible. But, I mean, coming... We haven't really talked about actually playing the games themselves that much. Like, are you... Like, did you enjoy Dark Souls 3? Like, did you have fun playing through it? Did you, oh, it yeah. I, I definitely did. It was... It was very... Uh, I'm not sure the right word to use here. It was... Very interesting. Uh, mostly because I went into it like 99% blind, which is I've done for every game so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the 
new areas were really cool to stumble upon. Yeah, and we, we don't have a spoiler policy here, so anybody listening to this podcast is, I assume that they've played Dark Souls 3. And as I've said a couple of times on the podcast before, if you're listening to this and you haven't played Dark Souls 3, go play Dark Souls 3. Turn this podcast off. What are you doing? So yeah, like you weren't spoiled on uh, like Anorlando or any of that stuff before going into it. Oh, all that no. Stuff uh, the only thing I was spoiled on was, uh, I'm trying to remember here because it's been a good while now since the release. Um, I know there was one boss and then I want to say there were like two weapons or something. Oh, okay. Well, when I say 99% nothing. blind, I did play the network test or whatever. So sure, I, I yeah. did know about those areas specifically and uh, mm-hmm. the dancer and everything like that. Uh, but beyond that, I was for the most part blind. Uh, did you have that moment? Because um, like when I first got the full version of the game, I you know going through that first area in the high wall of Lothric, and then like you know you go into the into that room and like waiting for the dancer to pop out, like looking around and all scared and like. And there's just a new NPC there. The dancer never appears. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I know there's a boss I, I here. Actually, I did have that, and uh, I was confused because the what the lady, what's her name, was there, and I was mm-hmm. so hyped up to fight the dancer that I, I actually killed her outright when the dancer didn't <laughs> show up, and it it kind of happened from there. So, yeah, because if you kill her right then in the early game, the dancer will show up and, and probably try to wreck you. <laughs> yeah, and I did get destroyed. So there was. Yeah. Um, like when you're the thing about Dark Souls Three, I think it's probably, in my opinion, like the best plane of the series. Like that and Bloodborne feel like the best to actually like pick up a controller and, and play through. Do you do you have a particular game that you that where the me- mechanics are your favorite? Um, as far as well, I I have to split that up into like multiple categories because uh <laughs> like any it, true it, souls fan i love it <laughs> yeah it very it varies so wildly across the the games as far as like uh atmosphere and environment design and stuff like that it's got to be demon souls hands down and then for pve gameplay it's got to be bloodborne for me and as far as like yeah, pvp yeah. it's it's i'm still leaning towards dark souls 2 because i haven't really gotten into pvp and dark souls 3 yet yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back in this week because they're apparently that patch that "quote unquote" fixes poise is either out or coming out on Friday or something. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to see how that's going to change the PvP stuff because yeah, I kind of I kind of got tired of just being stunlocked by like straight swords over and over again. So I'm kind of curious to see if they addressed any of that stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And uh, just to warn you, I am completely blind on the DLC. So if okay, sure. Yeah, I'll mention I won't, I won't mention anything else because. Yeah, yeah, if we want, I haven't. I've, I've only seen just the, the bare minimum. I watched Peeves' video, and that's pretty much been about it in a couple of trailers. But yeah, I don't know any of the lore stuff. So. Yeah, I heard uh, the stuff that they did was PvP related, but I haven't looked into it at all. So I'm trying to yeah. keep myself blind on that. That's totally fair. I will make sure that I don't mention the stuff that I've seen then, because it's only a week away. It's, it's just yep. less than a week away. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked about it as well. Um, so you, you obviously have played a lot of PvP in all of these games. Like, did you get into that back at Demon Souls, or did it take you a while to kind of pick up on what was going on? I, I want to say I didn't really get into PvP until uh, Dark Souls or Demon Souls. Uh, my initial, you know, attempts into PvP was uh, in the Chinese, well, Jap- Japanese servers, and uh, I did not have a good time with that. So oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the lag was, was pretty terrible. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. My uh, my Demon Soul PvP stuff didn't uh, start until I returned to after Dark Souls. Mm. And then Dark Souls, were you just doing like Forest Bro stuff or like just straight duels or what, like what, what what was happening? It I actually did spend a lot of time in the forest. Uh, it was. Yeah, it's mostly the forest. Uh, it wasn't like outright ganking, but I didn't uh, in- very much enjoy the random invasion from that. Okay. What is your what's your normal approach to these games? Like, do you do you kind of go in and just try to like? Because by the by the time Dark Souls three comes around, like that was the fifth game in this franchise, basically including Bloodborne. Um, 
which we'll just call a Souls game. But uh, like at that point, like you kind of know, like a strength build is one thing, a dex build is one thing. Like, do you have a particular build that you you lean for when you start this start the games, or do you just try to find like, oh hey, this weapon looks cool, I'm going to make a build around it. Like, what's your what's your what's your approach? Uh, I try to experiment a bit. Uh, I would say that I definitely lean towards like dex uh, as far as like builds go. Mm-hmm. Although I do really enjoy like the super heavy weapon build that you can make. Like just carrying around a giant great sword on your shoulder all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I want to go back a little bit because, and I'm sorry, this is kind of a scattershot podcast. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, I was running a little late today. I usually have a little bit more time to prepare for these things. Uh, oh, no worries. I, I'm, I assume uh, you can edit it or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Fine. Um, my listeners will forgive me. They know I'm the worst, so no big deal. The, <laughs> in the um, in Demon Souls, like it, progressing through that game, and, and you mentioned earlier talking about like the atmosphere and everything, like that to me, going through that game, and I'd already played Dark Souls one, was like one of the most like like affecting games that I'd ever played. Like going through like all of those, like specifically like um, three one, three two, and, and and that whole level. But like even the Shrine of Storms is like just kind of a mind-boggling experience. Like, had you ever played anything like that before when you started going through there and were you just, like, totally blown away by this? Uh, I would say I have, actually. Uh, the the amount of, like, dread and uh, despair that you get from running through uh, the Tower of Latria and stuff like the Shrine of Storms, uh, I got the same feeling from uh, System Shock 2, actually. Okay. Cool. I've actually never played System Shock 2. I'm, I'm a terrible gamer in that regard. I just never picked him up. So. But yeah, uh, it's very, uh, very similar. Um, it's it just the sheer like oppression that you get, from, the feeling you get from just being there. Did you? Did it ever make you kind of want to just stop playing the game? Like there were times when I was going through like the swamp areas um, and just like you're out of souls, like, you're, you know, you're just run down, you're dejected, you've been playing for, like, four hours, and you're just like, I gotta, I gotta quit, like, it just, it, it literally, like, ran me down, like, I felt physically kind of bad, and it, taking a break obviously helped a lot, then going back into it and finishing it, but did you ever just, like, have to stop playing, or were you able to just keep going? Uh, I would, there were times, I would say there were times that I had to do that, but it was mostly I need to find something else to do, not, you know, stop going for this, specifically. Mm-hmm. Because uh, with the different uh, areas, it was pretty easy to do that, especially to continue, pick off where you left off. Yeah, Demon Souls was kind of forgiving in that regard, where you could, okay, I'm stuck here. I've got four other archstones I could go to take a look at and, and try to make progress through and see what I can get done over there. Yeah, exactly. Did you have that when that when that changed? When we went to like Dark Souls, kind of interconnected world. Did that change at all for you? Like, because you know, I, I got lost several times in Dark Souls 1. It just had, like, basically no idea where I was or how to get back. <laughs> like, I knew where a bonfire was, and I was like, but it's, that feels like they're on the other side of the world. <laughs> like, I don't want to run all the way back to the, you know, undead church or what have you. Oh, definitely. Uh, I did get stuck at the bottom of the catacombs once. So that was fun. Uh, oh, before you had gotten the Lord Vessel? Yep. No. Yep. That's the worst. <laughs> Were you able to make it back up? Uh, yeah. It, it took a lot of work, but I did, did eventually make it back up. I've I've never done that before. I've heard quite a few people that have done it, and I've I just don't know how you could make it. Like like that's such a grueling to get back. Like you went all the way to the fog gate. I'm guessing to the orange fog gate at the bottom, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even know how you get from the the Tomb of the Giants back into the, the catacombs. <laughs> like, that just seems like a miserable journey. Well, you actually, you can't go up the, uh, I'm pretty sure you can't go up the, from the bottom of the, the canyon or whatever. But mm-hmm. you do, you do have that option if you're still at the bonfire before the drop down, I believe. Uh, oh, okay. I, okay. Well, actually, no, there's the, the... The entrance into the like tomb, tomb area with the bricks and stuff down at the bottom. Uh, yeah, there, there's yeah, a ladder you... there. I'm pretty sure now that I remember. Yeah, there, there, there might be actually. So if you could get back up there into that area, like right yeah. before pinwheel, you could probably get back. Yeah, but I, I don't think I was ever actually stuck past that point. It was more that uh, 
it was that I couldn't figure out the right way to go. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you have any like um, I-, I love Souls gotcha moments like that when you you know if you get out of Blight Town and you find the Firekeeper dead or you know you get cursed by the cursed frogs like do you have any like classic gotcha moments that you remember and just like oh man this game I swear. Uh, I, I can tell you the first one, uh, finding, uh, pretty sure the large moon, uh, Moonlight Sword in, uh, 4-2, I think it was, mm-hmm. with all of the slugs that, uh, fall down on you. <laughs> yeah, I always forget about those slugs. <laughs> yeah. What a weird thing to have in a video game, like, that's, that whole, that whole area is just so bizarre to me. I wonder if there. I haven't actually researched my, my Demon Souls lore. I wonder if there's like a really good reason that that sword is in the swamp because I I don't quite. I don't know the yeah, history. Yeah, now that of the you mentioned it, I I don't think I've ever tried looking that up. That is a good question. Do you get into the lore stuff at all? Like, do you, do you watch the videos on YouTube and like you know look around and see what you can dig up and all that kind of stuff? Or listen me, to like it's pretty much always been like my own research. Uh, I have. Well, I have watched like a couple videos that it's not really a, been a thing to dig into what the community has said. Mm-hmm. I've always kept myself to what I think because I find that more interesting. Yeah, the games give you so much like material to work with to craft your own story that I feel like some gamers do themselves a disservice by like, okay, well, you know this guy on YouTube said this, so that's the way it is forever and ever, amen. Like, that's that's the way it's done from now on. Like, well, no, like, you, you, it's room in there for your own interpretation, and, like, you, you can do that. Like, that's fine. Yeah, definitely, and I definitely prefer my own interpretation. Well, I, I am open to, like, discussing it, but it's not where I seek out, like, videos of lore information. Gotcha, yeah. Do you have, like, a particular favorite storyline or, you know, history of an NPC of a boss that you that you kind of find the uh, most enjoyment in? It's got to be uh, the Onion onion Bra from Dark Souls because uh, it leads down toward the, uh, the beach. Yeah, the Ash Lake. Sigmire. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sigmire, that's it. We were just having a hell of a time remembering our Dark Souls names. Well, I, that I'm, runs I've, a always podcast. Been, <laughs> I've always been absolutely terrible with remembering names. I, I mean, I can picture them, but it, it's always the names. Yeah, I have the same difficulty, and in my real life, I'm in sales, so you would think that I would be pretty good at remembering people's names. I'm terrible <laughs> at it. It's so, so bad. <laughs> what about Sigmire's story kind of draws you in? It's just the whole progression. You con- It's constantly running into him in all these different areas and uh, helping him out, or he helps you, stuff like that. Gotcha. You didn't... There wasn't really anything quite like that in Demon Souls. There were like you know those little offshoot stories, but it wasn't anything that progressed over like the entire course of the game. And I don't really think that there was anything like that emotional either. Like once you see, like if you can make it to the end of that quest line in Ash Lake, and you see, you realize that like his daughter, who you had saved basically for him. Um, or despite of him, or rather, and, like had to put him out of his misery because he went hollow. Like that's a genuinely affecting storyline. Like that's two characters that you've been meeting th- throughout this game that you've kind of grown a little bit of an attachment to. And like, oh wow, like this sucks for everybody involved. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's pretty much Dark Souls in a nutshell. So. <laughs> yeah, I've I've said this a couple of times before, but. Like, if you want the best possible ending for any of your Souls NPCs, just never, ever speak to them. Just leave them in their main spot and don't ever let them leave. So. Well, just leave them to their own misery, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. I'm curious, um, you mentioned that you've gone into uh, all of the Souls games pretty much blind. And, uh, like, the way that Namco has been handling marketing for Dark Souls 2 and then most recently for Dark Souls 3, like... How do you have like an internet presence at all and avoid all of the stuff that they put well, out? Like, cause... I don't. I, I avoided like pretty much everything for like a month because of what they did with Dark Souls Three. It was aggravating. <laughs> I was I was doing so well with Dark Souls Three. Like, I had I had cut myself off from everything, and then uh, one of my friends started streaming something on Twitch, and so I loaded up Twitch, and like there was like a trailer that showed every single boss in the game off like oh, in, that, that like sucks. half second clips and i was like 
I, and I can't look away. I couldn't even look away fast enough. It was so bad. Uh, yeah, the that 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 actually what got me was uh, from software's. Uh, well, not from it was. I'm pretty sure it was Namkai Bando, but they had tweeted out something for uh, both Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three that were immediate boss spoilers, and it was the way that they handled that was so poor. I just I couldn't believe how much access they gave to like people on YouTube, and not I'm not trying to I've always held the opinion that like those guys on YouTube like that's their job like they treat that very seriously if they have that kind of access they're going to use that kind of access I don't begrudge them for that at all like that's that's their livelihood in a lot of cases but like I could not believe that like a publisher of a game that is kind of known for its discoverability and for its like community engagement like would just go like nope here's like the first 17 hours of the game go ahead and put that on YouTube if you want to two months before it's released (laughs) It probably has to do a lot with uh, different teams not communicating because uh, I've heard like about the recent uh, PvP stuff that uh, some guys in Solbrant went to, and then mm-hmm. they did a similar events in like Europe or something, but there was a lot less restrictive uh, policy on what you could share. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems it seems weird. I just like I think like a lot of people like the, when they discovered Dark Souls 1, like, it was such kind of a, a niche thing, like, it was one of those things where, like, you you felt like you had found Dark Souls, and I'm, I'm assuming that, like, with Demon Souls, it was even larger than that, like, I'm sure, like, you get playing an imported copy of Demon Souls, you felt like you were one of five people in the world or something that were playing that game at the same time. So, I think, <laughs> well, I, I, would, I think people, go ahead. Oh, I would say that, I, I would, when Dark Souls was first announced, I was extremely hyped just because I had played Dark uh, Demon Souls. Because, oh yeah, because like, I, I I had an idea of what it what actually was, and you were ready for more of that. Like, oh, like I want more of that immediately. Definitely, definitely. I remember being so shocked when the uh, Dark Souls Two trailer hit. Like, I, I wasn't even watching the whatever awards show that it came out on. I just remember people like. You know, like looking at the something awful thread and like, oh my god, there's 400 new posts in the Dark Souls thread. What's going on? <laughs> and like looking through and like, oh okay, Dark Souls Two is announced. That's that's interesting. Like they just like randomly dropped a trailer with no hint. It was great. I remember uh, being. I, I want to say it was a leaked uh, like trailer thing for Dark Souls where I don't know if you saw it, but. Uh, you could clearly see that it was recorded off of some kind of uh, event where it was, like, divided into rectangles or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember seeing the, uh, shoot, what's his name? The the dragon boss in the, the sewers or whatever. Uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, Gaping Dragon. Yeah. Gaping Dragon, yeah. There was, a, mm-hmm. like, right at the end it shows him opening up and, like, doing the slam attack. <laughs> and that was so different from what you got in Demon Souls. It was like, wow. Yeah, like, how am I even going to approach that as a fight? Like, that yeah. just looks too big. Yeah, uh, and it was just so surprising compared to what I had played before. And that was just so hyped for it because of that. Yeah. See, I... um. I'd mentioned earlier that I bounced off demons, and it, it took me a little while, and I... I think it was one of the bombcast guys that got me to try dark and but it was like a like a couple of months after it had come out like and i had like a week off during christmas or something so i was like i'm just gonna sit down and play this video game and then i don't think i stopped playing for like six or seven months maybe even longer it could have been like a year like i basically just like did nothing but dark souls for a long time were you the same way like did you when you started picking up dark souls when were you just like that's the only game i'm gonna play for the rest of my life basically I've had that sort of feeling for pretty much all of the Souls games uh, mm-hmm. since I started playing uh, Demon's Souls. It, it, it's very hard to approach other games without thinking about the way the Souls games do things. Yeah, agreed. It's it's so frustrating when you see games that like come close to approximating it. Like I have this problem with The Witcher Three. Like I. The Witcher 3 is a really, really great game. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but boy, like, 
being used to Dark Souls really works against you in that combat engine. Like, it's just, it's not the same, and it's not even trying to be the same, but it, it feels like it should be, because Dark Souls is the best, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, Dark Souls-itis, it's a, it's a real disease. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about uh, Bloodborne, because I remember watching you on Twitch, uh, like, I was so excited watching you, and I think you were streaming at the time, or maybe this was a recorded video. Uh, I was streaming. You I, 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 you're probably talking about the alpha test, aren't you? The alpha test, yeah, the network test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're probably talking, can you, can you, you're probably talking about either when I was playing through it or when I heard about the out-of-bounds glitch and I was attempting to do that. Yeah, the, the out-of-bounds glitch that got you into uh, Father Gascoigne's area, which you weren't supposed to be in whatsoever. Yep. Yeah. Can you can you kind of walk me through like how something like that works to get more into the technical side of things again? Uh, well, that glitch specifically was that you were able to get over a certain wall through being able to hop up onto some furniture that you weren't supposed to be able to. So it, it basically involved getting yourself up onto different platforms that you weren't supposed to be on top of, and then falling down to the other area. Okay. And. Because I think I'd asked you at one point, and you, you weren't the original person to discover that glitch. No, you were no, just one I, of the people. I, I, you were like the first English person to stream it out, yes. basically. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, I heard about it, and uh, I believe, I, I don't remember who it was, but I do believe it was a Japanese player who originally discovered that. Okay. That I just remember being like so blown away because that was the moment where, like, I think Father Gascoigne said the word Mbasa. Oh, and, yeah, like, yeah. I, that was so surprising and out of nowhere that it, it just blew my mind and I I knew I had to have Bloodborne as soon as possible. <laughs> it kind of set the, the Dark Souls community on fire because before that, like, all we had of Bloodborne was, like, the... Uh, we, had, we, we had a trailer at that point, but I think before that we just had those, like, leaked Project Beast gifs. And yeah. that was really about it. So people kind of we're still thinking that this could be a Demon Soul sequel by that point. Yeah, yeah. It was clearly like one of those uh, just an off, you know, a small like off connection. Not really intended to be like a direct connection, but more of a nod more or like a, a an nod Easter egg yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it was really sad that when the full game did come out and the, the line wasn't there anymore. Yeah, I was really bummed about that because I never, I don't think I got into, I didn't get into the Bloodborne alpha test or the network test or whatever. Um, so I never, I never got to see that except on videos. And I would, I would have loved to actually, see, you know, experience that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the flesh, so to speak. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you like now that we're kind of done? We're not done with Dark Souls Three because we've still got a couple of DLC packs to go. But like now that they've come out and specifically said like hey i'm we're, we're probably done with the souls games or at least miyazaki has said like i'm probably done with the souls games we're going to do some more some different stuff where would you like to see like from software go as far as games like because i don't want this style to go away like i want this over the shoulder stamina based combat to, to always have a place in video games um but it, for whatever reason from software has kind of proven that they're the only people that can do it right like no, nobody has come along and kind of done this to the degree that From Software has, but like, where would you want to see them go with this style of game? With this style of game, definitely something into science fiction. It could be far future cyberpunk, anything like that. Okay, I would love. Is to it kind of like your some some game like that grounded in melee combat in science fiction? Very cool. I heard uh, Austin Walker on the Bonfire Side Chat podcast one time say that. Uh, He'd want to see like a like if they did an armored core where like you had a mech game and then you got out of the mech and then you were like you're basically Dark Souls on the ground when you weren't in your mech. I thought that sounded really cool. So you I could kind of have that, that combination. Yeah, that, that would definitely fit the bill for that. And uh, armored mm-hmm. core is a pretty awesome series on its own. So. Have you played much of that series? Because I have very little experience with it. I, I started with Armored Core four and I've I played four and uh, four answer. Okay. Four answer is the one that um, I've had people tell me is, is very weird. Like it needs like an online capability or something. Like is it like if I went and grabbed a copy for the 360, could I still play it nowadays? I'm pretty is sure it... you should be able to. Uh, there might be some issues with, like patching, but I don't think there's any online requirements. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Um... And uh, while I said I started with uh, four, that's not completely true because I did play the original PlayStation 
release uh, back, well, back when that released. But I hadn't played anything between uh, the first one and uh, Armored Core 4. They're pretty dramatically different from the Souls games, though, right? Like, it's a lot of preparation and, like, building up your mech and, like, all of the... It's the mech's gear and upgrades and modules and whatnot, right? Yeah, it, it it's not similar at all. Uh, <laughs> it's similar I, I mean, at all. it's definitely a, a type of game that I do enjoy. It's it just vastly different. Okay, yeah. Have you played, have you dug into any of their other stuff, like the old Echo Knights or Kingsfields or any of that stuff? No, not really. Uh, I, I've been interested in doing like uh, Kingsfield or Shadow Tower, but that hasn't really uh, happened at all yet. Ooh, man. Well, if you if you do Shadow Tower, uh, and just just a word of advice, that PS3 version is rough. Like, the, you can't change the controls, and the, the controls are garbage. <laughs> like, oh, you're looking up interesting and... Interesting to hear. Yeah, you're looking up and down with the triggers because that was the original control scheme back in the day. Like they they didn't have any kind of right stick analog at that point, so it's it was very difficult to control. Um, the Vita version apparently lets you override that, um, but the PS3 version has, had, didn't have that ability. And when I tried it on an emulator, it just literally I could look up, but then I could never ever look down again. So I, I never figured out that bug. So oh, <laughs> I, that's just I, I guess I would go for the Vita version then if it ever came if it ever came to it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a friend of the show who's also just been on the show a couple of weeks ago, Allison. She did a, a pretty good Let's Play of it, if you want to go check that out. like, um, And her LP is, uh, she doesn't do any voiceovers or anything, so it's just all text on the screen, which I really, really appreciate, because I like to watch the stuff in the background. It's nice to not have to pay attention to or get surprised when someone starts screaming at the screen for no reason. So, good <laughs> stuff. Highly recommended. That, that, I would definitely be interested in that. So Okay. I'll send you a link after this. Yeah, that's no problem. Sure. Oh... Well, I think that's that's right at about the time for an episode. Um, Jib, thank you so much for spending the time and, and coming on with me. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, let's scratch that because I want to talk to you about one more thing if we can real quick. Sure. No big deal. Um, right now is a uh, return to uh, – not Lordran. Um, return to the Nexus? Return to the Nexus event. And last year, my favorite thing of about returning to the Nexus was watching your stream where you have uh, – all of the locations and Demon Souls and a in a really cool like layout with the Demon Souls soundtrack playing, but it shows you player populations from each area. Yep. And you're doing that again this year. Yeah. Like, what wizardry are you using to pull that out? Because that is just so freaking cool to me. Well, there's some information that the the server sends uh, that I realized could be used to get a rough estimate of player counts per area. And I've been leveraging that to show that information. Okay. So you're just basically, like, sniffing network packets to get all that information? Yeah, pretty much. Is any of that stuff possible for any of the other Souls games? Um, I don't want to say no, but the mm-hmm. for Dark Souls, most likely not because of how decentralized it is. Yeah. Or uh, Dark Souls 2 and... Uh, I don't remember if Bloodborne had a central server. I want to say it did, but I, I know it would be pop- it would probably be possible for Dark Souls two, Dark Souls three. I don't know because I haven't really looked into it. Yeah, interesting. But it, everybody it, should go check that out. I mean, this episode is going to be out by the time you probably shut that down. But I don't know if you do archives of that. But and I guess uh, an archive would be pretty dumb because why would you want to see like who's? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never been too worried about that. Uh, yeah. But next year, for, if you plan on doing it next oh, year... Oh, I, I plan to do it uh, every year until the sh- uh, servers do shut down. So, Excellent. Well, again, thank you very much for your time, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, can you tell everybody where to find you on the internet? And feel free to plug anything that you have going on or anything that you want to. Uh, you, the only two places that uh, I really need to plug would be my Twitter and my Twitch channel, and that's just yep, both okay. of them. And both are, are profilos, I can promise you that. I'm sorry, say that again? I said, and both are profilos, I can promise you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> always always try to make a point to, as soon as I see you streaming, go check out whatever it is you're doing, because it's usually pretty interesting. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. 
As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. If you'd like to come onto the podcast, send me an email, DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. I have a pretty lengthy guest list right now, but I'd love to get you on. So just send me an email and we can work a time out. Thank you for listening. If you have a few minutes, leave me an iTunes review or tell a friend about the show or share it on Tumblr or do whatever the cool kids are doing. I don't know what it is. Just spread the word of the podcast. It really helps me out. Thanks. And remember, don't give up skeleton. Cool. That's it. Thank you for uh, having me.